From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Monday, December 28, 2020. With Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news on the newspaper, bad news on the elevator, bad news on the street, bad news on my car, bad news on my feet, bad news out of the bar, all over my clothes, under my hat, on the radio, in the laundromat. And good afternoon. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, welcome back, Drew. Thank you, Alicia. I was about to say Merry Christmas, but that's so last week. It was last week. Happy New Year. A Happy New Year. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All of the New Year parties that we're going to be having through the county? Yes, I'm going to. I, I started reading a, a, novel, a series of novels just to, to prepare <laughs> For reading all night long on New Year's. It really is a, you know, that's that's the amateur drinker's hour night of the year, right? The the professionals every day is New Year's, <laughs> but uh, the amateurs are the days that people show up on New Year's Eve. Right, just one one night yep. a year. Yep. Well, it's not going to be happening this year. We're going to find other creative ways to do nothing. One hopes. We're getting really good at it, I think. I know, right? At least we've had enough practice. Yeah. So um, it is still pretty big news time for the coronavirus right now. We're still in the middle of a surge. So do you want to tell us the latest? Sure. So the numbers in the county are actually a little bit stale. Uh, They last posted on the 26th, um, late on the 26th. So uh, but um, those numbers uh, reflect another 114 cases since our last Wednesday show, bringing our total slightly over 2,400 to 2,406. There is also considerable delay in getting test results. We're up to over 3,000 pending tests, um, and over 40,000 tests have been run in the county. Uh, our positivity is still startlingly high at 5.63%. We're still running 29 cases a day. Um, and we have just under 600 individuals who are either in quarantine or isolation as of two days ago. And unfortunately, we had another death as well, um, bringing our total count in the county from COVID to 26. Um, and that person was actually, as somebody who's in his 50s, this person was relatively young in low 60s, I believe. So uh, that's sobering, to say the least. Definitely. Very sad. Um, nearby, we're actually doing better than our adjacent counties. Sonoma County has 53 cases per day per 100,000. Napa, 68. Lake County, 60. Um, by way of comparison, Los Angeles County has 137. Um, and California as a whole is averaging almost exactly 100 cases per 100,000 per day, which makes California the number one in the nation, or should we say the 50th, uh, depending on one's perspective. So we are currently doing the worst in the nation, the state of California, um, with COVID right now, which is translating to um, fairly tight hospital, uh, particularly ICU beds. Not so much up here, fortunately, still. Still. Uh, that picture really hasn't changed much in the last few days. Um, Southern California hospitals are completely full, um, and the reports I'm receiving, that's really 
bordering on bedlam in some of them because the emergency rooms are just overflowing with people in outside mash tents and you know people backing up waiting for icu beds and there are none to be had so you know and it's it's hard to transfer people 500 miles right. from from la up mm. to the bay area where there still are some icu beds so it's pretty much worst case scenario well it's it's not quite worst case scenario but it's it's close and i you know i frankly am somewhat cautiously optimistic i know it's unusual but i am somewhat cautiously optimistic that we might make it through uh, without getting swamped up here in far further northern california um the bay area has been doing a very good job keeping a lid on things and that will hopefully translate to our being able to keep a lid on things but you know we've been fooled so many times and we've seen so many um states and areas where they get it under control and it just comes roaring right back and you know new york is now seeing a positivity of uh 8.6 oh percent uh, which is a new new record for new york even higher than what they're seeing back in march and april so 20,000 people hospitalized in california right now um that is up 56 percent over two weeks um we have flattened the curve just slightly um we are up in the state of california 27 percent in case counts over two weeks but it it's down from 70 to 80 and 90 that we we're seeing uh, early in December. So the curve is starting to tilt flat um, in California. Nationally, actually, for the first time in months, um, our our case counts are trending downward um, just slightly. Uh, we are adding, um, you know, still thousands a day, um, but not sort of the crazy increase from week to week that we were seeing. Uh, over 19 million people infected so far, um, negative 12% case counts over two weeks, uh, which is really quite quite good. Um, and that will obviously translate to decreased number of hospitalizations, which are still at record levels of nearly 120,000 nationwide. We broke our um, our daily infection level this week right it was the it's the highest since may the daily infection rate nationwide or the, it was in it was, california had a record-breaking day right before christmas oh, um I, i'm not sure the u.s had a record-breaking day in the last week um otherwise the real big news is still vaccines are trickling out even out to the hinterlands here in mendo land um well, trickling that's the that's the operative word yes there. it is it is indeed um apparently 1.9 million americans have been vaccinated so far with their first dose with their first dose question is whether there will be a second dose available for those of us who have received the first um but according to the federal government, uh, another 9.5 million doses have shipped. So there's a fair amount of vaccines somewhere in the supply chain. Do they have a little website where you can track your order? It, you would like to think so. Yeah, but no. Florida, however, is just throwing it wide open. Florida Beach, you know, is doing it their, their way. Um, and they have first come, first serve. Anybody over the age of 65 can get a vaccine. That's a lot of people in Florida. Yeah, that is. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to work out real well, I'm sure. <laughs> I just wonder, I mean, are we going to get into the sort of Lord of the Flies, profiteering, people stealing them and selling them on the black market? Well, I, there is a you know there's a security concern and they actually are fairly closely guarded um and you know the 
boxes, particularly for the Pfizer vaccine, have um, satellite tracking on them and everything else. So I don't think there's going to be much, um, you know, black market <laughs> COVID vaccine. You have to have a very special freezer if it's, you're going to yeah, do it's it. It's very fragile. So if you know anybody steals it, it'll probably degrade and and not be effective. Um, so I don't think that is the problem. Profiteering, um, to be sure, sure. but that's going to be mostly big pharma that's going to be making the making the profits on all of this. And that's sort of taking government money, right? Because they're making the vaccine free to individuals all well, over the country. Well, yes, although the individuals in, in this country are, in fact, paying the government to yes. pay. Yeah. Yes, so, yeah. public, free, private, all free that is, stuff. Yes, but at any rate, one of the... Uh, one of the Operation Warp Speed um, big pharma companies, Novavax, actually um, is going into phase three with some fairly optimistic preliminary data. Um, so that's one of the big ones, kind of like Moderna, though they've never actually brought a, a vaccine to market. So we'll see. I mean, Moderna's pulled it off quite neatly, so perhaps that will add to our supply. Probably not till late spring, though. So that's about all I have. Not a lot of you know breaking science over the Christmas holiday, um, for better or for worse. Um, we are still doing relatively well locally in terms of hospital capacity and utilization. Um, we're not we're not being overwhelmed at all. I haven't been there since Christmas Eve. I will be back tomorrow, so I'll have some firsthand knowledge by Wednesday. Well, we had a report um, last week on Tuesday, the twenty second, that the county of Mendocino did start its vaccination clinics. Um, they had one on Tuesday. It was at Carl Purdy Hall in Ukiah at the fairgrounds. And it was um, what they are, sort of how they're rolling out the vaccine to people who aren't, in your case, which is, I don't know, through the hospital is how you got yours? Yeah. yeah. So the other kind of 1A tier of people. So the the public health is conducting these, these clinics. And um, so the first, I think it was 72 doses, the first 72 people in the 1A tier were vaccinated. And I have been told by the county that they are planning on organizing more of these and more frequently as uh, vaccines get here. Right. Well, they, they will certainly need to do that. I mean, it is obviously a pretty substantial effort to get 85,000 people in the county right. of Mendocino vaccinated twice. Um, but the local health centers are also getting the vaccine and administering it to people who are in the appropriate tier level. In 1A. And yeah. then I guess I'm not sure yet, and this will become clearer, how they are tracking all the 1As and when they are going to decide we're ready to switch into the 1B tier. Well, they would presumably switch to the 1B and go on down the line when there are no more people coming forward in the 1A tier. Um, and not everybody, believe it or not, is coming forward if they qualify for the vaccine. Not clear to me why, um, other than the fact that they feel they just want to wait to see how we all do. But almost 2 million people, or probably 2 million people in the U.S. have received the first dose of either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. So it is on. It's on. I mean, 2 million is not a lot when we're talking about 330 million times 2. And, you know, obviously it has not yet been approved for uh, children. Um, that's obviously a huge number of people. So 330 million U.S. citizens minus people under the age of 16. I'm not sure what that number is. It's probably about 280 million um, times 2. So we have a ways to go. Yeah. And when you said that there have been 40,000 COVID tests performed in Mendocino County, after all these months and all the tests, it's still only half 
of the number, and of course, people are getting repeatedly tested. So yeah, I, I would I would suspect that that forty thousand probably represents you know somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand um, discrete individuals. The serial test yes. people. Yes. yes. Well, there's nothing wrong with being serially tested, to be sure. Yeah, but it just seems like wow, even that many tests over that much time 11 months now and it's only 40,000 so it just made me think about what it's really going to take to get all 85,000 people vaccinated yeah it's a lot it is a lot it's going to take a long time i saw um some story on on the news about the polio vaccine effort and it was like every saturday people lining up around the block you know with the, they put it on a little sugar cube and they'd give it to yep. to the kids and you know it, it took months and months well they were actually very efficient though i mean they in certain areas in new york in particular they got i think 8 million people um vaccinated against polio within like two to three weeks as i recollect wow. um just a massive extremely well organized federal effort which would be nice would be something to yes. to, to emanate or to yeah. emulate yes. not emanate okay well let's go ahead and open up the phone lines if you're ready oh sure. we have a question i do have an email, email question. question so yep. why don't i just field that one first uh, the question to summarize involves an employee who is traveling internationally returning um sometime in uh, the new year um, and wants to get back to work. Um, the question is regarding quarantine versus quarantine and testing, uh, what should be done in that scenario. So that's, for, for, for starters, international travel is not a good idea or any travel right now is not a good idea. So this is obviously taking that as a fait accompli. Um, and so the, the recommendation would be in that scenario to, in fact, um, quarantine um, for at least seven days with a test at the end of that seven-day period. A test immediately upon return um, would need to be repeated um, at the seven-day point. Um, and then at that point, then the person could resume uh, normal COVID precautions at work. Now, well, I think one of the things about that question was that the employee themselves didn't think they needed to quarantine. They thought they would be fine with a negative test. Right. Well, and that's 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 the misunderstanding of testing. You really can't test yourself into a sense of safety, um, at least not immediately. It requires a test and some time. And the time really that were it had been you know 14 days, and now it's as short as 10 with some testing, um, which I think is reasonable based on what we now know about the virus. Um, but you do need you do need, you do need time. It can't just be a negative test, and you're good to go. All right. Well, the phone line here is seven zero seven. 895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX with Dr. Drew Colfax. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio as well, working the board. And we've been doing this since, mm, I don't know, March? March, I think, is when we started. Yeah. Yep, multiple times a week just to make sure that you have access to good useful information about the coronavirus, reliable, evidence-based information so that you can make the wisest and healthiest decisions for yourself and the community. And let's take our first call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, good. You ready for my question? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, I am trying to find where on the coast I would be getting a vaccination. And I am in my mid-80s. I think I'm at the top of the list and from what I've heard. But nobody I've called seems to know anything about getting any vaccine. 
Yeah, so you're you're very close to the top of the list, but they still have not, at least in the state of California, to my knowledge, um, started inoculating people in your category. Um, that's that's coming soon. I suspect you would be um, qualified just by your age alone um, sometime within the next. 10 days to two weeks. Um, and I sus- and again, a lot of suspicions here, but I, I think in your cat in your case, that vaccine will likely be administered uh, through uh, RCMS out there. Um, but I, I don't know that definitively, but they will probably go through the health centers in the county or alternatively, the county is going to have to set up some sort of mobile vaccination site. Um, but that has not yet been deployed. I do know that they're working on it, but that hasn't been deployed throughout the county. Um, it does happen in Ukiah, um, but but not here yet, or not throughout the county yet. I called the Coast Clinic, and she knew nothing about it. Right. So they're, and then I, and, they're, they're, yeah. so they're not going to know anything about it probably you know, until it's going to unfold in real time is what I suspect. Um, and so they don't know anything about it yet because the county hasn't, you know, we haven't reached the point where you would actually be eligible for the vaccine. Um, and so it's going to unfortunately happen kind of in a compressed way because there's not a lot of clarity as to who's getting the vaccine, where it's going to be administered or when. And really that has to do more with the supply chain coming in and sort of a piecemeal fashion. Fashion, um, into the county and into counties throughout the state, um, and then the public health department having to respond, um, and then unfortunately also then waiting to see how much uptake there is um, for the people who have qualified. So right now, for example, as a frontline healthcare worker, I qualified and I got my shot, but I can assure you that not every single frontline healthcare worker has, in fact, gotten the shot yet. There are some people who are opting out, so it's really hard for the county to assess exactly how many doses to set aside for people in each cohort. Does that make sense? So, yeah, but part of my question, my B part of my question is, would I call them or I'm not on any list? or anything that I know of, how would I be notified? Right, so that that's a really good question. And I, I think what should you know what should happen, and we can be part of this here on the show, um, is keeping people sort of posted as to which tier which tier we are in um, locally for qualifying for the vaccine. Um, and we just we don't have that information right now because we're really still stuck with frontline health care workers. It is starting to go to the um, elder care homes as well. Um, but, you know, they haven't made it through those two groups yet. So you're you're very close, and you can continue to bother me or RCMS or the County um, Department of Public Health. Um, those are all. What pe- is RCMS? Redwood Coastal Medical Services. The, okay. And I don't have their number in front of me. I'm sorry. They're on. How would it be listed Coast, in the uh, yeah. in the phone book? Um, I think it's just Redwood Coastal Medical Services. Service. Okay. Yeah, they're in okay. Wallala, I think. Yeah. And, but the other the other option is just to call the coronavirus call center, um, and I do have that number. It's 707-472-2759. I, I frankly don't think they're going to have a lot of information for you yet. Um, so I, I, would, I would continue to hunker down, as you've been doing, for about a week um, and then make another round of calls because I just don't think it's going to get to you um, at least for a week, and it might be, unfortunately, another three or four on, at the outside. 
So that number was 472-2759? That's, yes, that's the County Coronavirus Call Center. Okay. 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 I, will, uh, I will call them because I'm thinking uh, they don't know me. How are they going to know that I'm in line if I haven't, uh, if I'm not, part of an older, you know, in a, of a housing situation. Correct. No, and that's, you know, that applies for everybody who's, you know, going to be in the, in the, you know, age group as we go down uh, the list. Um, it's still mm-hmm. a little ways off, but we, we're going to, I think we're going to start seeing this move fairly quickly over the course of the next month or two. Um, All right. Thanks for the call, caller. Good luck Okay. With that. Thank you okay. very much. Both we'll do what you. we can to keep you posted. Um, and what about the fact that a whole bunch of you now need a second dose? Do we have any information about when the next group of vaccines are going to make it to the county? We don't have firm information. So one, one would hope one would hope that when you get the first dose that there is a supply, you know, a logistics person somewhere uh, writing that down and knowing that we need X number of doses in three weeks or four weeks, depending on which vaccine. You know, the rumor has it that we're going to get it when we need it, uh, you know, three weeks plus or minus a few days. Um, otherwise, got, you were vaccinated almost two weeks ago? I was vaccinated on the 17th, I okay. believe. Yeah. And what's today? Uh, oh, 28. No. <laughs> yeah, 28th. So 11 days ago. So I yeah. still have another 10 or 11 days. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Give you some time. All right. Let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Nope. Oh, let me turn my radio off. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. What's your question? Okay. My question is um, Dr. Drew, first, thank you both so much for hanging in here um, and providing us with such great information. Um, I want your opinion about air filters. Do they really work or are they just kind of superstition? Well, you know, they work in the sense that they they filter your air, right? And so particularly the ones that have an ultraviolet component have been shown to decrease or to kill the virus passing through the filter. It's just the the... the unanswerable is how that changes one's behavior in a space that has an air filter and the data on that right now and the science on that right now unfortunately has to be not at all Um, we just we don't see it being so effective that it allows you to take your mask off in a room with other people you know i'm not sure where you're thinking of having the air filter running but any business any essential business that's open right now would be well served to have some sort of um UV filter running um, just to reduce risk of that business being a a hotspot or a source of an outbreak. Okay, great. A UV filter. Yeah, you, you need the. It's not just the the HIPAA the the HIPAA the HEPA filter, HEPA. Um, <laughs> but it's it's the ultraviolet light. It's you know obviously these are you know. Na- very, very small aerosols and droplets that are not going to be picked up by a HEPA filter. A HEPA filter is very good at getting dust, but not necessarily droplets, necess- uh, you know, with some qualifications. Yeah. So a UV light seems to help um, decrease the viral load a bit more than just the, the filter media. Thank you. That's very helpful. All right. Thanks for the question. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, the number is 895-2448. That's the number here in the studio for your questions. We'll take our next call. Whoops. HEPA, HIPAA. Goodness yeah. gracious, how did I drop both of them? HEPA, HIPAA, yeah. in-joke for doctors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take our next call. Hello, caller, you are live on the air. Yes, what would happen if you got the uh, Pfizer vaccine and then 
21 days later, if it wasn't available, what would you do? Are the two vaccines interchangeable? Could you get a Moderna shot? Or what would happen if they didn't get the supply chain for your second shot? Thank you. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And the answer to that is unfortunately very simple. We don't know. Um, you know, it, theoretically, you know, there's there's plausible basis to think that you could get a booster with the with the alternative vaccine, but that hasn't been tested. There's no data to confirm that, you know, scientifically, biologically plausible hypothesis. And as we know, biologically plausible hypotheses frequently fail. Um, and so what would probably have to happen is if they, you know, if they cock this up and we don't have, you know, the booster shot um, when we need it, then we're going to have to get, you know, the novel vaccine again and a booster after that to make sure we complete the series the way it's been proven to work. Hopefully we don't get to that point. All right. So you would get you just start over again. I mean, there's no. I haven't seen a policy on that. Um, but if if that does start to become a recurrent problem, then that's that's what I anticipate that would have to happen. Seems like a waste. You don't want to it's waste. It's quite this thing. wasteful. Yes, but you. I can also, you know, to come to some defense of not holding back the reserve you know, second shot, it makes sense to get the initial, what, we got 900 and some doses into the county 10 days ago. It made sense to give that to everybody with the assurance that there was more vaccine coming for the booster. You don't want to sort of sit on 450 doses when you can actually get immunity building in all 900 and some people right away. All right, let's take our next call. Caller, are you there? Caller, yes, I, I am. Thank oh, you. Good. I have a question about the uh, allergic issues. Um, is it? If, what's the recommendations on people that do have to carry an EpiPen or have um, underlying, um, you know, issues with um, autoimmune and things like that? And I'll hang up now. And thanks, you guys. Sure. So the recommendation is even if. Even if an individual has an had a history of an anaphylactic reaction requiring epinephrine or an ICU stay or intubation or something drastic, um, you should still get the vaccine. Um, what what they what we are doing, what healthcare providers are doing, is keeping the individuals nearby uh, for at least 15 minutes to make certain that you don't have an immediate anaphylactic reaction. And as anybody who's had one of those reactions know um, they come on very quickly. This is not a delayed sort of thing where you develop a reaction the next day or two days later. If you're going to have an anaphylactoid reaction to this vaccine, you're going to have it within minutes of receiving the shot. That being said, it is a very, very rare occurrence. I think right now we've had four or five in the entire United States out of 1.9 million doses. So it's a very, very rare occurrence. What is much more common is not even the side effect, but the effect of the vaccine, which is, you know, most of us, if not all of us, um, have had a very mildly sore arm after the first one. Um, there are, you know, there are some people who've felt sort of cruddy or even run fevers um, or had what they describe as a brain fog. That's the minority. Um, it's generally seen as a very safe vaccine, although it does produce some effects, which is just your immune system, you know, kicking in and developing a response to this novel protein that it's manufacturing. We have an email question asking about possible long-range side effects from the COVID vaccine. 
Well, the possible long-range side effects are not known because we have not yet seen this in the long range. However, what we know from vaccines in general and from this vaccine or these vaccines in particular is they're not likely to have any long-range side effects. Um, yeah, there's, they are protein-free. There are no preservatives. I'm sorry, they're preservative-free. Um, there are no heavy metals or anything else in these vaccines that could you know, even theoretically produce some sort of either real or factitious long-range side effect. Um, they are pretty clean vaccines. They do have a lipid that stabilizes the, um, the mRNA, um, and that's just about it. So, Except uh, the other foreseeable long-term side effect is immunity from covid well right? we hope right i mean the 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 data is quite up is quite good on that so far um but you know we really don't know you know how long the immunity will last whether we're going to need a booster in a year or whether we're going to need you know a booster in two or three or four years exciting things to come so much to come <laughs> all yep. right let's take another call hello caller you're live on the air hi good afternoon um thanks for the show and happy new year to you both coming this week. I'm wondering if you can give me, give, give us any information about the outbreak that's going on in the jail and how they would have gotten it, because those guys certainly didn't travel. No, and that's... take my answer yeah, on the air. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a really a tragic and entirely foreseeable problem, and we've, we've seen that problem, you know, throughout... Uh, the country, um, you know, jails are much, you know, are, are very uh, confined spaces. And unfortunately, people there don't have the option of social distancing. So I, I have little doubt that it was brought in either by new inmates um, or by um, sheriff's officers who were asymptomatic and just brought it in. Um, and I don't have a lot of information other than knowing it's up to about 20 people at this point um, within the jail. I know that our sheriff, is going to come on tomorrow. Is yes, that right? we're going to have a, a whole show about the outbreak at the jail tomorrow morning on the local public affairs hour at nine from nine to ten o'clock. We're doing a, a special show with Sheriff Kendall and Lieutenant John Bednar from the from the jail, and they're going to talk about all aspects of, of the jail outbreak. And the phone lines will be open in case I forget any questions or if you have questions that you'd like to ask them. So good question. Good segue, too, because I wanted to make sure to announce that. Um, Was that a plant, that question? Uh, no. Maybe yeah. just we're, we're yeah. just in tune. Um, and as far as I know, yes, we're up to 22. Yeah. That would be 17 inmates and five staff. But they've been testing them all through through since since last week so there may be more reported tomorrow well and they've actually been doing a lot of testing surveillance testing within the jail all along um and so you know unfortunately it just these surges happen in jails and prisons because they're so crowded um and people are so jammed together and frankly they're not the best ventilated spaces so it's it's really a perfect storm of factors that leads to these massive outbreaks i mean we saw that at san quentin um and we've seen it over and over again in prisons and jails throughout the country it's it's just been horrendous throughout the state of California in particular as well. So. Well, and it, that returns me to a point that I've been making repeatedly is inmates in uh, either in, in 
in uh, serving prison sentences or inmates in jails need to be at the very highest um, of the people receiving the vaccine. I mean, we might choose to keep, you know, two million people in this country in prison and jail, but they certainly don't deserve to die from COVID if it's preventable. Um, and we are now at a point where it is, in fact, preventable. Um, and so, you know, we need to make that happen for, for these unfortunate individuals in prison here in the in jail here in the county. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we are at the end of the half an hour, so we will finish up now. But we'll be back on Wednesday from 3 to 3.30 with more open lines for local coronavirus questions and any any other national, global <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be at work on Wednesday, so it's going to be one of those call-in-from-work type of shows. But we can manage that. The wonders of technology. Yes. Um, we could have you zoom in. Yeah, the, the Internet connection is not super great at the Adventist Hospital. That is, that is really amazing. It is amazing. Brand new ER and ICU yeah. and really no Internet connection. It's one of the more modern buildings in Ukiah. But, yeah. okay, we'll, we'll make it work <laughs> with the old-fashioned phone lines. Yeah. Um, the important thing is that we get your voice on the air. And thank you to you as well for calling in and for listening. It's important to have your voices on the air, too. I appreciate all of your phone calls and um, your continuing to tune in to these reports every Monday and Wednesday. Show stain power, if nothing else, yeah, right? Really? Yeah. Well, um, and I mean, I guess it, we're all following it closely. It matters. I just can't believe how long we have been keeping this up. So, all right. well, we're coming we're, to the end of the year. Coming to the end of the year. Um, hopefully the surge doesn't surge too much after the holiday travels, but... We shall have that data in about two weeks. Yeah, well, and as everybody gets your New Year's plans ready to go, just keep it small, keep it quiet. Yeah, the New Year's plans should be exactly this. Nothing. <laughs> Maybe a little <laughs> bubbly apple cider at midnight or yeah. something high five with your kids. All right, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back on Wednesday. Stay tuned now for Reveal in Progress. And again, remember, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, we'll be live on the air with Sheriff Kendall and Lieutenant John Bednar about the outbreak at the jail. So do tune in for that, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.